Ladies and gentlemen, you're about to experience the Gut Check Project, talking science, health, and innovation that you can actually use. But this isn't just another health show. We're here to have fun and make your time enjoyable. Well, while you are enjoying yourself, know that even though the GCP covers some health topics with healthcare pros, we are not your doctors. So use our show to entertain your mind and not for medical advice. And now, here are your hosts of the Gut Check Project, Dr. Ken Brown and Eric Rieger. Hello, Gut Check Project fans and KBMD Health family. I'm your host, Eric Rieger of the Gut Check Project, joined by this guy, Dr. Kenneth Brown. Ken, what is going on? It's episode 95. Episode 95. We're bringing in the new year with episode 95. Happy New Year, Eric. Happy New Year, Ken. What's yes. going on? Well, uh, today we're going to talk about a couple things. One thing is somebody named Sam Harris, who I have a lot of respect for, discussing some living in the moment type stuff. And it relates to a podcast that I did recently. And then I got uh, asked to do an interview for Well Plus Good. They wanted to know what does a gastroenterologist have in his kitchen and pantry, always available, and why. So I'm going to go through that because I realized this is a lot more detailed than I thought. They wanted just some quick answers. I ended up writing a whole blog about it. So I thought we would talk about what we have in our pantry. You and I both like to cook. We both like to eat at home. Sure. We, we eat out on the regular, but sure. we certainly try not to eat processed foods. So no. we're going to talk about what you can have on hand and what swaps you can make to make sure that it is a healthier option, possibly than, let's say, some different oils that you're using, for instance. Isn't it wild, though? I mean, you, you say that we're going to get into oils, and we will here in a moment, but uh, I feel that if I were to look back at things I was conscious of on purchasing, uh, many of the things that I put through the gamut on would I buy this or not, those parameters did not exist 10 years ago for me, at all, really to in, anywhere near the level it does now. And now I actually feel better about the choices that I make. I, you know what? I totally agree. In fact, I will plead a little bit of ignorance here. I learned a lot about oils from the CEO of Broccoli, oh, David yeah. Roberts. Yeah. And he instructed me about the these oils that are not very good for you, inflammatory oils hidden in so many things. Oh, they're it everywhere. completely, and I naively was like, are you serious? He's like, yeah. It's like, we, we, we had to look over it, you know, when his, um, when his wife got breast cancer, they had to look at all that stuff and uh, he instructed me. So, you know, we have, we're, we're big proponents of sulforaphane and broccoli being the only stable sulforaphane out there. Uh, seriously respect, you know, David living the lifestyle like that. But he taught me about some of these oils. And ever since then, I'm a label reading fool. My kids just die laughing every time they pick up something. And I'm like, it says it's healthy. Read the label. And 99.9% .9 of the time, it's stuff that I don't want in their body. Well, it's clear we're going to tackle this subject the best we can for this particular episode. But I will say that the, the me now of eating and making these types of food choices, I have seen probably an improvement in various facets of my life in mental ability, sleeping, enjoyment, patience, uh, just different things that I probably didn't attribute to possibly an inflammatory diet that over time making better choices for myself on the foods that I take in has made things easier. It's I've totally seen the patients. You don't roll your eyes at me nearly as much as you used to in the past. <laughs> or storm out. <laughs> or storm out. Yeah, you look at the early episodes. Frequently, I'll be on a rant, and you'll just see Eric just <laughs> throw the mic down and walk out of the studio. Where are you going? Where, what's going on? I'm going to go eat some sunflower oil. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll just see him, and I'll be like, man, what's wrong with Eric? And he'll just be spooning, like, you know. Uh, Crisco? Yeah, Crisco in his <laughs> mouth. I'll be like, that has, there has to be a correlation there. 
Yeah, none of that should happen, but it could have, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so you, uh, before we get into the subject matter, you had a big weekend. So, yeah, so some personal things. Um, first of all, I want to show everyone, and oh, I want to yeah, thank yeah, my yeah. staff. Yeah. I got a Christmas gift from my staff, and if you're not watching this on YouTube, I'm holding up the first Gut Check Project t-shirt. Nice. My staff knows me well enough that uh, brand something with this, and they've made coasters. So shout out to all my staff that uh, are so kind and so sweet that they went through the trouble of getting the first branded Gut Check Project merch, Yeah, which hopefully someday will be a much bigger deal, and then we'll have a whole line of, I don't know, our own oil. Yeah. Our own KBMD Health Oil. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so, and then on a personal note, this past Monday, my son, well, my son graduated high school early so that he could go to the University of Texas, Austin and play tennis. And, you know, it's our first child going to college. I think I've called several of my friends who've had this, who've already done this, including you. And when it happens, it's this bittersweet thing. But we went to University of Austin, got my son moved into his dorm and Tuesday morning, he's practicing with the team, and right now he's in Miami because they've got a tournament in Miami. And so it's like, there we go. 18 years, and we I, we apparently did a good job because he was really, you know, ready to be there. So Lucas and Carla, for instance, even though she are not, I shouldn't say for instance, but uh, just to make sure I include her, both of your kids are great kids. Uh, so no doubt and no surprise to me that he's taken off and acclimated within, I don't know, like you said, 0.3 seconds. That he was ready to go <laughs> it's one of those weird things where you're like, show your mom that you're going to miss because, you know, mom's having some trouble with this. And yeah, most I mean, moms do. Like most moms do. Most moms do. You know. But, uh, but you've, you've prepared your kids because what happens after you've reared them and you've raised them is they're supposed to be, you're supposed to be prepping your children to grow and be an adult so that they can emulate and do the... Do the same thing that you had hoped for them and the way that you set an example for them and they can lead adult lives. And that's the same. Fortunately, I think that we both have very similar experiences with our own kids. Uh, I couldn't be happier for both of my boys. Uh, they, they obviously went off to Texas Tech, but they're accelerating and they moved on in much the same way. And you and I have shared a lot of conversation about that. I expect the exact same thing to happen with Carla. But the one thing that is different is... I think that being a parent of a D1 athlete and just having friends who played D1 sports and some who've been parents of, of uh, kids who were D1 athletes, it's going to be a different situation for you. Just as you said, Lucas is already, he's off and running. Yeah. And a lot of his activities are going to be scheduled. So his experience just in, in life in general is going to be, uh, it's going to be exclusive. It's going to be very, very different and uh, very exciting. He's going to have a really cool perspective on having that, that kind of exposure to different things like that. You know, what's amazing in the whole tennis world, you have to be super disciplined. You have to do all this, but you're doing it alone. And now he's got a team. And I think he's so excited to be part of a team and everyone works just as hard and probably harder. He's going to learn that pretty soon playing sure. D1 and all of the above. And it's just exciting to see. And I just can't wait to see how he evolves as a man over the next six months than the year and as it so goes on i look at the other team members that are there and they're just all incredible men and just great people and you're sure. like okay i'm so glad that he's have he has these guys as mentors and the coach bruce is this incredible man that is 
very, very, very calm, very fair, very regimented, which just fits Lucas's personality perfect. Well, you and Lloyd have a lot to be proud of, both in, in him and in Carla. They're, they're ter- terrific kids. Tennis or not, they're going to be successful. So congratulations and way to join the uh, the upper ranks of sending your kids off, man. Oh, I know. Yeah, it's I awesome. Know. Yeah. Good stuff. How about you? What's going on? I, honestly, th- we're five. It, it, while we're taping this, we're approximately five weeks away from me officially becoming grandpa. Couldn't be happier. Uh, so things are moving quickly for, for uh, Gage and Laney, my oldest. And then um, Mac is home for five more days. And then he takes back off for his second semester out at, uh, out at Tech. And so, honestly, it just had a great Christmas. I mean, we had a lot of time together. We, we, we played some top golf. We played a lot of games. We cooked out a lot. I mean, it uh, honestly, it was a great Christmas. Great That's New it. Year and uh, had a good time. Love it. You know, whenever we do our Level 10 meetings in our traction, we always do personal and professional. And so, this is personal and professional. Uh, I mean, well, I've talked about this, but we talked about the SIBO support box last episode yeah. because that was our official launch yeah what i love is how much feedback i'm getting from everybody who's actually on this that's the polyphenols from atrantil plus the diamine oxidase which lowers the histamine plus the immunoglobulin i just love doing this and getting the feedback from everybody and having people say this is definitely making a difference so one piece of feedback uh that i've gotten that we barely touched on it before and i'm hoping that it doesn't keep proving to be anecdotal but i've got two people on the box that have told me that they are taking it. And one of the side effects is they are simply sleeping better. Oof. They're just like sleeping that. better. That's why we have the ashwagandha in there. And that's why we have the diamine oxidase. Yeah. Both of those are seemingly paying off by reducing inflammation and reducing the histamine load, which actually can help, or I'm sorry, can aid in, in wakefulness, but you need balance. Yeah. You need balance. And so having the, the histiAO in there and a histiAO that has, the uh, I'm gonna the histamine reducing units, right? Is that HRUs? Yes, yes. Uh, has the correct measurement of active DAO doing its work. It's paying off. It's paying off doing business with a with another company and supplier that is regimented just as we are. A company and supplier out of Austria that has it patented there that is under European regulations. So everything has to be completely at a level which we actually don't have here because the FDA is not involved with supplements. So I think that's why we're having such a great result. Not to spend too much time on it, but if you're curious what the SIBO support box is, just go to kbmdhealth.com. Go down to the store. And you'll see it. It's the first listed product out there. Again, that's kbmdhealth.com. All right. Yeah. So let's jump into this here. So, oh, one other thing that I, and this is why I'm leading into this. I had a a great opportunity. I was contacted by a wonderful person named Chloe Porter. Uh She has recently launched a podcast called Synthesis of Wellness Podcast. Wonderful young woman. She is a mechanical engineer, went through her own health issues, and is now on a mission to try and train other people in their health. And I think I'm guest number six or seven or something like that. But great. Uh, We had a great podcast podcast together and we covered all the usual stuff that we talk about on this show from our end about polyphenols and the metabolites and how you need the right polyphenols to break down both the supplements that you're taking mm-hmm. or to help get the most benefit and from the foods that you're eating but she did threw me a little curveball at the very end she said that she asked me a question and her last question was if i had any piece of advice for increasing happiness improving well-being, et cetera, what would it be? 
And this was truly off the cuff, and it was quite serendipitous that, that I recently discovered something like literally just happened. I responded that I discovered the Sam Harris app waking up. Okay. So I work with a CRNA uh, named Sean who introduced me to Sam Harris waking up. He read his books and he said, I really think that this is something that you're going to really appreciate. And I've been doing his app for about a year now. And it's, it's fascinating because it's all about realizing that you are a meat suit and your consciousness is really not conscious and it it's deep. It's super deep. Sure. And so, but what it does teach you is you are not, the environment is almost irrelevant to your thoughts because when something bad happens, the environment, it's all about the, I won't be able to get into it right here because I just said, I'm just now learning this one thing. And I said, I, it's so important. It's so important because once you learn that your own thoughts are under your own control, and it's a very weird thing to say, the world changes. Okay. So that is a really weird way to explain this incredible lifelong journey that Sam Harris, and I'm going to get this wrong, but so he, I go to the gym this morning, nonetheless, and it's Sam Harris and Andrew Huberman. They were at the gym? They were at the gym just sitting there talking. And so I just stalked <laughs> them the whole time listening to what they had to say. Yeah. Yeah. So they, Andrew Huberman had Sam Harris on his podcast. Okay. They're both PhDs in neuroscience. And Sam Harris is, I mean, if Andrew Huberman's one of the smartest people I've ever listened to, Sam Harris is kind of like a level up. It's weird. They talked for, four, it's a four hours and 20 minute podcast. Yeah. And frequently I'd have to rewind and then just listen and go, what did they say? Because they were in and out of this philosophy of meditation and the neuroscience with it. And it it was incredible. And Sam Harris, his, I mean, it's like just, they're just levels of intellect. And it just took years for him to do this. He even went through multiple Tibetan retreats where he has spent over a year not talking, not engaging. Where he would go for three months at a time and not say a word. And engage in this kind of stuff and learning. So he became obsessed. I don't know. I, we're going to one day do a, a talk about it a little bit more. But he discussed that, you know, his career started at Stanford. Mm -hmm. And then he did a stop out, which is not a dropout. Stanford says, well, if you want to take a break, take a break. And he took like a 19-year break or 12-year break or something where he ended up writing a book that became a New York Times bestseller. Mm -hmm. And then he came back to finish his degree and then do his graduate school like pow, 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 while he's writing these incredible books. Okay. And so he discussed it with Andrew where he was like, it was this dichotomy of me going to my uh, education advisor where they're like, you're behind on your PhD studies. You need to do this. And then he said, and then later I had a meeting with his boss asking my advice on how I can help him write his book. So it's like in one time I'm kind of being scolded by sure. somebody and then I'm going to his boss and guiding his boss. And so he was discussing the dichotomy of this. That's a, not why I'm bringing this up. Here's why I'm bringing this up. Because when I said that, I was a little bit happy because I just spontaneously threw it out there to Chloe. And she's like, huh. And I'm like, I know it sounds weird, but that's kind of what I mean. You're in control of your own thoughts. And then Sam on the podcast it's four hours and 20 minutes and about two minutes of it. He's like, like about four hours and 19 minutes into it. 
he's like, you know, Andrew, it's, and I'm going to paraphrase all of this in a weird way, but I want you to think about it and I want to get your opinion on this. I want everybody to listen to this because the sooner you learn this, it changes everything. He talked about how we as humans, we brood about the past all the time and then we think anxiously about the future, but we never spend long enough to actually discover that here is enough. And seeing my son go to college, it's a reminder and these milestones in life when your child gets married, when you're a, a, when you're about ready to become a grandparent, mm-hmm. these are milestones where you go, wow, life is finite. Oh yeah. So we have this absolute finite resource, which we're calling time. But within this finite resource, we have an even more finite resource, which is free attention to find fulfillment in the present is how he worded it. So if I say you're going to be on this earth for 102 years, Mm -hmm. if you spend your finite time on earth worrying about the future or regretting the past, you're cutting down that 102 years into a much smaller time frame. And I'll expand on that. Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, sure. So you go through the trouble of making time available, but you can ruin that time by letting your thoughts bounce between regret of the past and anxiety for the future, and you're never right there. So you can have a vacation and not really be at the vacation and not even realize it because you're just toggling back and forth oh. between things. Yeah, thinking about are we going to make our connection? Are yes. We, how, how, how are we going to handle luggage when it's time to go back home? Yeah, I've... Uh, I think a younger version of me who maybe because of stress or what have you, I was someone who was probably guilty of that very, very, very early in my, you know, experience of traveling, you kind of get lost in the mechanics of how you got to where you are and forgot how to enjoy being present in that. And then I had, I can just specifically remember one, my first time having that kind of experience and then, realizing we had just returned from a, a vacation and I didn't feel like I had gone anywhere. Exactly. And then fortunately, fortunately the, it was just, you know, Gage was, Mac wasn't even born yet, but I can still remember that feeling of we went somewhere. I barely feel like that we did anything. I feel like all I did was worry about this. And, and granted, some of that was economic. Some of it was just pure economics, just not having the money to do certain things. So I stressed about it. And looking back, I should have, it didn't take me long to realize it that I wasn't going to travel again or plan something that was supposed to be for leisure and allow the mechanics of what allowed me to have leisure time get in that way. So that's not exactly what you're saying, but I think that's a facet of what you're it's saying. It's 100% a facet. And that I think all of us can think about times where you look back and you're like, I really wasn't quite there. Like, let's just say when you have your first child, you're not quite realizing the spectacle that's going on because the anxiety of the future scared shitless everyone is scared shitless and it's 
there's a couple times in my life where somebody said something to me and it stuck. One of the times was a friend that had a child uh, that was a little bit older. I, I, in fact, I'll just name him Nate Green. He's an oncologist in Nebraska. His, he was one of the first of our friends to have children. Mm -hmm. And he said, what you really want to do is you really want to embrace those sleepless times because it goes away. And then you're going to look back and go, gee, I wish that every time I woke up, I wasn't in a bad mood about it. And I wasn't doing it. <laughs> I wish that I could look back. There we go. Well, yeah. <laughs> and so I had that in my head the whole time. So it became this thing where I would, Lucas would cry and you would just wake up. Lloyd and I, um, you know, she was, you know, all, all the usual stuff that happens with a newborn baby, trying to breastfeed and this and that. It, I, it just always resonated in my head. Mm -hmm. Enjoy this. And I actually did. I never, it's like I would hear that. And it was, even though I had to work the next day and everything, it's like, oh, this is fun. I'm going to be really tired tomorrow and I'm going to look back on this. And at this moment, I'm so happy that I was present during those things because somebody said something to me. I don't know if this is a hack or not, but this is going to be a, a, a small tribute to my dad that I ended up doing. And I basically learned how to calm down to the fact that I was a, a, a new father. Because that's what you described, I think most people go through, especially if they yeah. have kids before they're the age of 30. I think there's just a lot of planning. You just don't feel like you have all of your affairs in order to even have. Like it shouldn't be legal for you to be walking around with this kid, <laughs> basically. But I, 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 my dad was, uh, was, he was fun all of the time, and he, he was hilarious. But... He approached chores, requests, times to wake up when you didn't want to with song or something like that. And so as I quickly learned that I've got to pull it together and started thinking back to some of the more fond things that my dad did, uh, you end up coming up with camp. They're, they're campy. They're campy little songs or rituals that you do but it's almost like you're coaxing everybody else to do it. And suddenly those crap, I don't want to have to get up right now, turn into, oh, dad's singing again or whatever it happens to be. It doesn't have to be singing, but it could be really anything that shows, hey, look, I don't want him to get up here now either, but we might as well make the most of this time. And that's really what my dad was doing. And I can remember when the boys both were probably around the age of five and seven is when we wrote the wake up song and I used to go into their <laughs> rooms with an acoustic guitar and we had, we had our own lyrics and they had boys that reluctantly at first, like, Oh my God, he's strumming that stupid guitar. And by about verse three or four, they'd be like, Oh, wake up, sorry. <laughs> All right. So, I mean, but, I, but I it's, it. it's how you kind of get people to embrace Hey, Look, I don't have to get up right now either, but if we're going to do it, we're going to do it together. It's going to be fun. I love it. So anyway, yeah, it, Something similar that uh, my father-in-law Carlos, when we were when Lloyd and I first had uh, Lucas and then Carlo later, but it was certainly during Lucas where it was like the first one where you're trying to get through everything. And mm -hmm. I would, uh, you know, I'm new into my practice, and I would leave, and we would leave, you know, to go to Puerto Rico, and I'm sitting on a hammock with my son, and I'm talking to Carlos. And I'm expressing my anxiety about exactly what you're talking about. I was, yeah. like, I was like, oh man, I'm worried when I get back to work and I'm worried when, you know, the, the money and this and that. And he, <laughs> and, and he said two things to me and I went, huh. Which is why whenever you say something, maybe you don't get the reaction that you're expecting right there. But any advice you give to anybody, maybe it leaves a very long ripple effect. And then suddenly 
18 years later, you're discussing it on a podcast. Yeah. He said, uh, well, if you go back to work and everything's fine, then you're probably not needed. Oh, he's like, so it's a good thing when you get back and it's a little bit of a mess. It's a really good point. And then I was talking about the money and he goes, Ken, you're on a bridge. The money is like a river underneath you. It comes and it goes. It's not that big of a deal. You're going to walk across the bridge and you'll be fine. And I just went, it comes and it goes. And it's so right where we won't get into the, and that's a whole separate aspect of not, you know, having your basic needs met, Mm -hmm. which that's what he was saying. It's like your basic needs are met. Yeah. It's like, you're worrying about superfluous things. You're worried, you know, and, and those two things stuck. And I kept building every year after that on those two concepts where we would take more vacation and we would do things and I'm okay. And I would come back and it would be a shit show in the office and it is what it is. And patients were upset and all this other stuff, but I'm like, I need some time also. So those it's, it's interesting when you, those little things, I did not realize he was making me mindful mm-hmm. at the moment. Yeah. I'm not sure he realized it either, but he probably did. It probably came from some wisdom and experience on his own. And, yeah. And, uh, and honestly, that's kind of a cool gift. He liberated you. And then, I mean, really anybody who could hear that kind of a message. I mean, I think what you just said about the money under the bridge is something that I'll, I'll probably repeat to, to gauge and to Mac is both of the, you know, one is about to have a kiddo. Yeah. And then, you know, eventually if, if Mac does as well, but uh, yeah, you, you need to be, be comfortable that having perspective and being present is the gift itself. Not always anticipating the next thing you have to come to. So this is what Sam Harris and his app waking up is it's the, and I'm telling you, I, I do his meditations, which, we can get into, but the, it was a four hour and 20 minute discussion and a theme that he had is meditation. Isn't something that you do. It's something that you don't do. In other words, when you're meditating, you learn to not dance over the present. And right now when you're doing that, back and forth and you have racing thoughts and the monkey mind's coming in, you're never making contact with the present. Yeah. And unless you've had some radical insight that allows you to be in the moment on demand, and this is where he goes into some psychedelic experiences, Mm -hmm. this is what allows some people to realize that what it's like being in the moment. He dabbled in psychedelics early on in his 20s and then realized he could achieve the same things on demand by what he calls meditation that later he describes as it's no longer meditation to me. The meditation is part of my life. If I go for a walk, I'm present during that walk. And so, you know, unless you've had some sort of radical insight that allows you to be in this moment, then you're held hostage to the circumstances of your life in that moment. And he said that, and it made so much sense. You're held hostage to the circumstances that are happening in your life there. We are constantly trying to engineer a state of the world that will basically propagate back on ourselves to allow us to be happy. In other words, you're always trying to rearrange the world around you 
to make the present moment good enough. True. That's people. If I get this, then this will make me happy. Yeah. I will work very hard to be here so that I will then be happy. In the waking up app, his meditation reverses the causality of this. It allows you to change the states before anything happens. I mean, your happiness is no longer predicated on the next good thing happening. You can be in the present of the next good or even bad thing happening and already be at peace. You stop and think about it. And that's what I was trying to tell Chloe when she said, you have any peace? Do you have any advice? And I was like, this waking up app is teaching me that I'm in control of my own thoughts. Obviously, I didn't say it as eloquent as Sam did, Mm -hmm. but that's kind of what I meant. You are no longer waiting for the world to put the scenario in so that you're happy. You are happy and the world is what it is, irrelevant to your perception. Because your perception, you're in control of it. It's deep and thick. And enough to make Andrew go, you know, like, wow. And this is a smart dude. Yeah, uh, there's a lot to unpack. Uh, I don't mm. think there's a whole lot for me to add. Well, let me give you an example. Okay. All right. So one that he used, you're working out. Okay. And you push yourself. You're working out hard. You're working out and you're doing a heavy deadlift day. And pushing yourself to your limit you can barely get 10 reps you fail on the 11th i mean like you're really working out you're doing a hit workout you're doing anything to you're you know getting your pr on a marathon whatever it is Mm -hmm. at that point your heart rate jumps up you're breathing heavy you're in tremendous pain your blood pressure is probably up you've gone to complete failure kind of feel like you're dying Mm-hmm. and you're enjoying it yeah all right same scenario you're in bed we're about ready to fall asleep or wake up in the middle of the night and you feel the exact same way your heart is racing your blood pressure is up you can't catch your breath you feel like you're just in complete failure you feel like you're gonna die the two contexts one sends you to the hospital your brain goes this is not right this is a horrible situation we're going to the hospital the other You go, I love this. I'm releasing dopamine. Now you go, well, of course you should go to the hospital over here. Here's the deal. The body has the same physiologic response. High heart rate. Yeah. Yeah. It's the same response. It's the brain that decides which way we go with this. Okay. And it's that powerful that it can go, get your ass out of bed, call 911. This is not good. Or yay, you did amazing. Let's do this. It's all a brain response. And hmm. your body's concept cannot distinguish the two. And then this is where Andrew jumped in. He said, in our lab, we can do this chemically to people. We can induce panic attacks. We yeah. can do different things. Yeah. But the more you train it, the more the outside world, the stimuli, when you realize, oh, he used different examples, people that are fear of, you're about ready to go on stage and you're having a damn near panic attack, about ready to go on stage. Mm-hmm. If you stop 
and you practice this art of there is no me there. The consciousness is not here. It's just a thought resulting in emotion. I can control the thought before the emotion happens because this is where he gets super deep. There is no consciousness looking back on the mind that you are a headless person. This is his thing that you have to get into. And by the way, the, the waking up app is, is really, really, really good. And it's, if you can't afford it, it's free. Um, but I, I imagine his server is going to break after uh, when Andrew, you know, puts us out there. But sure. you know, the fact that your body cannot conceptually distinguish the two. So if anybody's ever had a panic attack, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You have a panic attack, you go to the emergency room, and you're dying. And the ER doc comes back and goes, everything's normal. You're just having an anxiety attack. And everything in your body is screaming, we're dying. What he's getting at is you can control the brain to the point where that feeling could actually be manipulated to a dopamine release. Wild. It's so cool. I mean, you can actually enjoy events like that if you learn to control it and do it. And that is the concept of I'm in control of my thoughts. I guess that's, you know, that's the bottom line. I'm saying it so simple. I'm in control of my own thoughts mm -hmm. and it's appropriate. And he, you know, he went into it he said, don't get me wrong. I mean, you can do this in life, good or bad situations. You can control your mind's reaction to it and practice being happy and practice being present in this finite amount of time that we have. In the context of where it's appropriate to do. If you are actually having a heart attack, if you are dealing with a loved one that is extremely ill, if a pipe has burst in your house and it's flooding the second floor and it's water's coming down, there is an appropriate time to, you know, and he kind of joked, he's like, I'm not saying be stoic at all times and walk around. He's just saying that when you start to learn when you should allow those catecholamine responses to happen. So I'm going to use this app, but let me just put this into context the way I hear that what you're saying. Of course, he's not saying lower the flags or the warning signs when something needs to be acted upon. However, I think that if you're in control of your own thoughts, you'll actually perform better when something requires action because of an emergency. They actually discussed that exact same thing as soon as he got in there. Yeah. Yeah. He said the irony of it, Andrew said the irony of it is in our lab we have shown that if you can control it, your response to the emergency is greatly improved. I'm going to use a couple of example, well, not specific examples, but some anecdotal global examples where I've seen you and I both in medical emergencies. So prior to training in a couple of the handful of emergencies that we've encountered, whether they be airway obstructions, uh, perceived um, uncontrolled bleeds or anything, anything else like that. I, <clears throat> I've been around other healthcare practitioners that maybe have never been quite as comfortable in dealing with things that require urgent attention, if you will. And I've been with those that I knew early on I wanted to emulate because they recognize the issue and rather than 
stir up more panic with everybody else within the team, the appropriate thing to do is identify and then be clear on what the next steps in the, in the effort needs to be focused on. Uh, you and I worked together for a really long time. It's impossible after thousands and thousands of patients to not have a couple of, of issues where sure. you're, you're going to have to handle some things. I've seen us both and, and, and some other uh, anesthesia providers and other GI people that through understanding where you need to put your mind in that particular situation, and maybe it's just an anesthesia situation and we can't lose where we are with the scope because of a critical piece that's being addressed or is very, very difficult to get to this certain point with a patient, but an anesthesia thing needs to be uh, addressed. You at times have said, Hey, is everything okay there? Do I need to do something differently? And I may either communicate with you. Yes. Draw back a little bit or no, stay what you're doing. I've got this. And you and I, without making the room elevate with urgency, just handle that where I think that if we had been thrown in that situation at, you know, age 15 and yeah. handled, you wouldn't have known what to do. But isn't that, you just brought that up. We have practiced the control yeah. because we have prepared for that situation. That is like, in, that is a Birdman parrot Navy SEAL philosophy. Sure. You have practiced this, this situation. Mm -hmm. So when it happens, you're there. What Sam is saying is, practice it all the time. All the time if, yeah. if you do that, your time on earth becomes exponentially longer. Yeah, it has to. Because you're, you're living wasting. every moment. Yeah, you're not wasting. You're not wasting. Yeah. It's, um, and you know, we talk about flow and we'll eventually get flow and re-endorse on here and talk about flow. It's different than that though. I'll give one, one other comparison from that example. So, Let's just take it to the hospital where we've had, let's just say we've had a code. We'll just stay in the healthcare episode. And um, I've seen seen practitioners who are probably more similar to the way that you and I would handle situation if it's a code scenario or what have you. And then you you go through you go through all the algorithms and, and then you secure the patient <clears throat> you secure the patient and then hand them off, whatever it happens to be. And then the difference I would say between those who execute by knowing that at some point you're going to encounter the situation and control needs to be maintained and open communication needs to be maintained. I've also seen it in the other where you've got someone who has found themselves as the point person, very, very loud, very, very vocal. And when it's all over, rather than debrief and being able to move on, that person is usually sitting, crashed, sweating, and having a hell of a time recovering from the episode. Whereas really the the more ideal professional thing to be able to do is we've secured the patient, the health status is stable. It's now time to move on to other things. It's fascinating that you bring this up. It didn't even occur to me that we as healthcare providers practice this in the moment mm -hmm. medicine. And yet many of us, because we are got all of us in healthcare have a touch of OCD. All of us in healthcare have this prepare for the future type thing. Uh, you know, like my anxiety, you know, when it's, when there's lots of options kind of spins out. Like when we we're talking about business and things like that, that was a lot of it's out of your control. A lot of it's like, you know, how are we, what are we going to do here? And it's, it, I would let my, my mind wander, but when it's in the moment, it's been practiced and it just feels 
Like you don't have to tell yourself that. Practice. Okay. So now let's take it to another, another avenue. Uh, if I were to find myself inexplicably in Lucas's shoes facing a serve, I would not fare well. Probably would not return the ball. It would not do I mean, it would just be terrible. Lots of aces coming at me, me returning nothing. I would I would lose. The same thing for like a gymnast who practices over and over and over again, exchanging between the bars or uh using the uh, what's it called the vault. Yeah. Or what Ever, whatever the stinking apparatus is they use in in the, in the gym routine or in a soccer player, an MMA guy, finding yourself, uh, you know, in a, in a triangle or some type of choke that you've got to escape from, if you're not used to that, it's instant panic. It's instant panic in every one of those scenarios. However, somebody else who's a practitioner and has put their mind there, it's really the same thing. Let's bring it up to tennis. So one of the problems with tennis, so as a parent, when you're watching, or as anybody watching, you're sitting there, it's 30-40, the score is 3-4, so in other words, I'm serving, I'm down. The difference between 4-all and 5-3 oh. is massive. Yeah. And what ends up happening as... A spectator is you're like, oh, come on, man. You got it. You have to get this because it's going it's, it's to be 5-3 or whatever. And, you know, that goes on with the players also. I know yeah. it does because we've talked about it with the kids. And the the coach that was coaching, that's coaching Carla right now, Louis Ardilla, you know, he said, what you have to realize is when I turn on the pros and I'm watching you do, at, at any point, I'm not looking at the score and they're hitting, I'm thinking, you know, middle of the match and it was match point and they play exactly the same because they play have to you have to play you cannot think this is match point you can't but that's what separates the greats you just want to win that point the being in the moment if i could get if i could get the university of texas austin tennis team to have some sam harris philosophy of be present they'll win everything easier said than done i get it and because I'm working on it all the time and I'm working on it now at my age, I'm starting to go, Oh, trying to be much more present. And you don't, you're like, well, I'm always present. I'm present with my kids, whatever. I'm like, you know, but stop and think, are you really present? He goes into just watch the episode. He goes into stuff. He's like, even when you think you're present, he's like, you'll have an inner dialogue. He's like, think he's like, Ed, the communication is so embedded in our brain that we will communicate with ourselves when we're alone. It's like, you don't even realize it, but you could be alone looking at this gorgeous mountain. And I'm like, man, that's beautiful. Jeez, that's gorgeous. And I'm saying it almost out loud, mm -hmm. which means that I'm still just communicating it. I'm not even quite to the point where it's just, those are... It's energy. It's light. It's coming through. Lucas was, I mean, it's, I love it because it just all ties in. I love the whole concept of neuroscience and optics and what's happening when reality is the perception of it is not behind your eyes. That's what Sam's trying to say. Everything about what's happening is not behind your eyes Yeah. because behind your eyes is just neural networks. Yeah. It's not you. This is the whole waking up. And once you wake up and realize 
I control the energy that's coming at here. I've got a camera here. I've got this. I control it because it's my perception of it. I'm not controlled by it. And that's what he's trying to get at. And I'm, I struggle with it because in it, he talks about how even in my app, you, he has moments where he talks you through it, where he's like, you know, now look back at the thinker. And I talked with Sean, the CRNA, who turned me on to this, and he's a little bit more advanced into this. He's been doing it for several years. And he's like, yeah, what's your thoughts on that? I'm like, man, I struggle. I struggle so hard to do this. But then one time in one of the apps, so, I mean, I'll be, uh, I mean, we're going way off into this aspect. I guess this will just be the whole episode of just talking about this because it's it's intense. What I do is I, um, I really enjoy making sauna a regular aspect of my, uh, at least, four times a week practice and I push it so that I'm kind of miserable and I try to do Wim Hof while I'm in the sauna and then I go into a cold shower mm-hmm. and I play Sam and it's okay. And he's just very calm. He's like, okay, close your eyes now. Now notice that, in fact, just do it right now. Just go ahead and close your eyes and notice that when you go, what do you see? You don't really see nothing. You're seeing flashes of light. You're seeing expanse of darkness, you're seeing depth. That's the brain's ability to sit there and still continue to register different things. And Andrew goes into exactly how that happens. And this is, so this whole podcast is an oscillation between neuroscience and meditation, neuroscience and meditation. And it just came back and forth the whole time. So what I do in the concept of look back at the thinker on one of his meditations, he said, I want you to see yourself. I want you to see yourself in the position that you're at and look at you because looking at you, it just shows that you're not. And so it's almost this separation of your consciousness from this body. And I got in this habit and it's getting better and better and better. And I just thought, okay, I'm getting close where when I come out of the sauna and I go to the cold shower and we, I do this at sweat house, which has a, you know, it's an individual sauna and it has a shower right there. When, whenever I, a thought in, becomes intrusive, it's just letting it go. You just go recognize the thought, you let it go. And I focus on my breath to try and control. I'm like, oh, I just had a thought. I, my mind is wandering. Mm-hmm. And it's going to wander no matter what. It's going to wander on everybody. And the question, the idea is that thoughts are going to come regardless. You can't stop them. They just pop. And what I've been doing is as the thought comes in, then I focus on the breath. And when I breathe in, I'm, I'm sitting in the shower and it's cold water's coming down. And I allow myself to feel what's happening. Mm-hmm. And then when I breathe out, I visualize myself watching me. And the slower I breathe and the longer I do that, then, and I'm cold again. And I breathe out and I'm away from me. And that's that look back at the thinker concept that he's trying to get. He's like, you don't have a head. Look back and realize I am, I mean, it's 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 some dope ass shit because it's, it, I'm just scratching the surface of it a year into it, mm-hmm. doing it on the regular. And I'm just now going, oh, I, I realize because when Chloe asked me that and I said, you're in control of your own thoughts, what a stupid statement. Unless we get into this, then you're like, oh, wait a minute. 
and he discusses how you looking at me, mm-hmm. I'm just an electronic bounce back into your eyes. That's all I am. Your interpretation of it is completely up to you. Sure. And he even gets into it. He's like, I don't know why in certain situations I'm received, I'm funny, I'm whatever. And he goes, it all comes back. Then they get into the whole thing of being a baby and how we focus on babies and how everything is about cueing into the self. And it's the baby very quickly, the brain forms to realize that it gets cues from the outside. It interacts with the outside, which is an evolutionary type thing. Sure. So that that gets a little bit further into his... Uh, philosophy and then the science of it, Andrew went into it, but coming back to the concept of when my mind wanders, I get back into the breath and when I exhale and stay exhaled, I'm watching me. And while I'm watching me, I'm, I literally don't perceive what's happening And this is what I think happens when people are really good at this. Like they can suppress pain. They can suppress fear. They can, they can control their emotions to the level. And this comes down to Itamar. Itamar? Oh, uh, from, um, you're talking about the Navy SEAL? I'm talking about the Israeli assassin. Mm -hmm. When I asked him. Or not Navy SEAL. I'm sorry. Yeah. 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 What's Itamar's last name? Regardless, super cool he guy. He was with Chris. Who was he was Navy with SEAL. Chris, who's yeah. a Navy SEAL. Never mind, sorry. And I think when, when they train, and I asked him, when you're really in a shit, it's the fan situation, he described this. Yeah. He said, I look at myself as a third person, and I say, how should this person handle it? But don't, don't you think that's what we were doing whenever we were going through the, the correct algorithms? I, I think you're right, yeah. I mean, I think that that's a piece of it. I'm not saying it's a mastery. I'm just simply saying... That uh, what it sounds to me like what what Sam is doing, it may sound foreign. I get I guess this is why it's it's something that should be paid attention to. What Sam is describing is not something that I think that he would even say that he's more or less created. It's what he has discovered, and and how you unlock and gain control, because gaining control in a situation, whether it be panic or it was he's describing. All of the time. All the time. Is going to allow you to maximize because if you want to be efficient in a time of panic, anybody could throw their hands up and say, let's run. But if you want to be effective, you got to be able to think and stay in control. Well, if we can apply that same scenario and appreciation for how we want to be in a time of crisis, why wouldn't we want to be able to apply it in a time of thinking, or some people used to call it boredom or whatever it happens to be. And if you can master that in a time when you don't feel like that you needed to work on it, you're probably going to be more appreciative of the time that you have. That's what I'm picking up from what you're saying. Yes. It's, we have a finite amount of time and that finite amount of time can be exponentially longer if you're present in it. Yeah. Fascinating. That's yeah. I think you're right. You really deep. Um, I, I mean, I just, it's something that I thought it was so interesting that I did the synthesis of wellness podcast. That's how I ended it. And I went to the gym this morning and this is the podcast I listened to. Mm. I went, Oh, this is (laughs) exactly what I needed to hear at this exact moment. 
and it's I want I don't want my children to wait till they're my age to start working on it. Yeah. That I think is the gift. Yeah. Is it's funny though a younger a younger man, a younger person, you do think a lot about your own central ego. And truly, I the older I get, my happiness is really found within my kids being happy and soon grandkid and their happiness because I want them to who who doesn't want their kids to outperform their achievements. I mean, if if you don't, you're a selfish jerk. I mean, like you you really want your kids so to this be able is, to unlock Yeah, but that. this is exactly what he's getting at. Your you just said my happiness is dependent, and I'd say the same thing. My happiness is dependent on my children there. Your happiness is in total control of yourself. Your children are going to do this irrespective of your happiness. Oh, yeah. So you I got you. have control of that happiness. And by you being in this mode, you have a higher likelihood of them achieving the things that you want them to achieve. And you're still going to be happy the whole way. No, that's 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 actually a, a more articulate way to put it. I think that's much better. I, I, I was trying to, to say that understanding this concept and being able to share it with them and then having them emulate that but learning it at an earlier age would actually be even more rewarding for me as I'm finding an ability to find more time for happiness and enjoyment because it's by proxy – your children learn from you, and if they can pick that up from you, oh, how? How is he doing that? Then they're going to be able to do the same thing, but earlier in life. I mean, it's just I learned a lot of lessons from my parents. I don't know that this was one of them, or, or not not to this level. Or maybe they didn't you know, aspects of it that you didn't realize this is actually what they were doing. Like, I don't think Carlos has done any meditation work at all. He was, sure. We were just on two hammocks facing each other. I promise you my dad did not go to music <laughs> meditation school to teach us to, to sing songs in the morning, you know? So yeah, uh, but 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 those are they're real lessons, and what I think that Sam has done is he's pieced together those those experiences, and he's he's made it into something that's consumable. I guess. I mean, I just love this quote that your time on Earth becomes exponentially longer because you are actually present while you are here. Sure, I agree with that. And if you look at all the distractions that we have to make us, they only get every, every day they present. grow. Yeah, every day they grow more. Yeah, hundred percent. Oh, I just thought of something. Maybe that's why I enjoy this podcast so much. You think about it. We're you, we got a camera on us. We're we got mics. We're we don't do really any real editing. If we screw up, we screw up. We have never done editing. We have never. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody listening is like, "Wish you would. Wish you would." <laughs> something y'all should look at. Huberman's like, and that's why I'm huge and you suck. <laughs> yeah. That's right. But this is one of those aspects where I kind of feel like when we fire up the podcast, we're both fully present. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, that's that's a fact because we really don't have anywhere else to go if we weren't. <laughs> well, ever since you've developed patience. Since, <laughs> yeah. since you Crisco. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> well, maybe we should talk about uh, oil. I think that's where we started. We should, but I kind of almost feel like that's going to be a whole other podcast in itself. So we just tease everybody from the from the very beginning. We can we can tease everybody. We can we can do yes. Let's see where it goes. Let's see where it goes. I just feel like it's a. We just came off. I don't know if I can shift. Like I want to keep talking about meditation and stuff. It's it's crazy. 
I tell you what, let's do episode 96 on the well plus good um, five gut friendly items. So this is an interview that I did with well plus good. We'll do it for the next episode, 96. I want you to, I want you to be present in the moment of what we just talked about. And the next episode will be about what to put in your pantry so that you can always have something healthy to eat. Does that sound fair? I think it does. I think what Ken got to from the very beginning, he says, what's in your pantry and what's in his pantry is Sam Harris. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's what we learned. All right. So my, if, if there is something (laughs) I want to thank Sean, the CRNA. Thanks Sean. That's a great topic. That turned me onto this. And then realizing that when, and Sam's huge already, but going on at Huberman and, and geeking out was really cool. And I just, uh, I curveball. I apologize. I had a whole separate podcast planned. And then I heard that this morning and I'm like, man, we got to talk about this. Who cares? I never talk about this, but I think the title that we're going to put on the, on the thing is going to be Sam Harris, Andrew Huberman and not oil. And that's all I was going to say. What the hell is this? So that's what the title says. That's where it came from. All right. So episode 95, uh, (laughs) we will do episode 96 on what's in your pantry. And don't be surprised if we look exactly the same. (laughs) (laughs) See y'all next time. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. That's a wrap for this episode of the Gut Check Project, and we appreciate you for being a part of it. Be sure to follow us on your favorite platform for podcasts. You can find the GCP on Locals, YouTube, Spotify, Apple, Rumble, and more. And you can always check out gutcheckproject.com to find all episodes and interact with the show. Tell your friends and family not to wait to get Gut Checked.